What's up everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. Alright, so the way this works is we've got a clinical case followed by a board style question. So we're going to go through the question stem, point out the relevant clinical findings, take a look at the question and the answer choices, and then kind of divert for a minute and go through the relevant concepts to answering the question. Then we'll come back and apply those concepts that we went over to answering the question. Alright, so for this case we've got a 57 year old man and he's taken to the emergency department after sustaining a gunshot to the chest. So he's coming in, he's short of breath. He's got severe chest pain that's worse with inspiration. That's actually what's called pleuritic chest pain. So pleuritic chest pain meaning the pleura. And remember the pleura is that kind of double membrane sac that it encases the lungs and has that pleural space in between. And remember when you breathe in, you expand and push out the pleura. And so when you're breathing in, you're expanding the pleura and that can trigger pain. And that's why it's called pleuritic chest pain. It triggers pain in certain conditions. That's obviously not normal. The reason this is important is it's different than, you know, substernal cardiac type chest pain or musculoskeletal type chest pain. This more points you towards something wrong with the respiratory system. Not necessarily, but it's something that should pique your thought that, man, maybe the lungs or the pleura are involved here. All right, let's keep reading to see what's going on. His vitals in the ED are his temperature is a 37 degrees Celsius, so he's afebrile. He's not spiking any fevers. His heart rate is 118, so he's definitely tachycardic. The respiration rate of 28, so he's definitely breathing pretty fast, pretty hard. Blood pressure is 91 over 62, so he's hypotensive. And then his O2 saturation is 84% on room air, so that's pretty low. If you remember, 95% or higher on room air is what's normal, that's what we shoot for. Obviously, that's different in patients who have COPD or if they're on supplemental oxygen or what in a normal individual who doesn't have a chronic lung condition, 95% or higher on room air is definitely what we want. 84% of room air is not good. Plus you couple that with he's breathing really fast, he's tachypnic, and then on top of that he's tachycardic, he was shot in the chest, and then you throw in the hypotension. So what that scares you for is, you know, he could have hit the lung, could have some lung damage, could have hit an artery, he could be hemorrhaging. We just don't know yet. We've got to look further in and do the exam and get some more imaging to kind of figure this out. So physical exam, he's in respiratory distress. It's not too surprising, but he has decreased breath sounds over the right lung. So he's not moving air in and out of that right lung as efficiently as he should be. So he's not getting as much air movement. Definitely would be contributing to his hypoxia. A chest x-ray is taken in the ED and is shown to the right. So here's that chest x-ray. We'll go over this in a minute. His past medical history is notable for hypertension and diabetes. He drinks one half pint of liquor per day. So he definitely drinks a lot of alcohol. Um, and he smokes one pack of cigarettes per day. So he definitely smokes a lot, drinks a lot. Definitely could be affecting you know, his cardiopulmonary system. And the question here is, which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? So this is a pretty classic exam question, uh, especially if you get into a USMLE situation or, you know, you're in your shelf exams or even beyond, is, you know, you're going to be given these different you know, history, vitals, exam findings, imaging possibly. You got to put them all together and really see what you think is the most likely situation that's going on here. So we'll start with the key history and exam findings. So again, this is a middle-aged guy. He's presenting after a penetrating trauma. Penetrating meaning you've pierced inside of the body. So that's usually a gunshot wound. It could be a stabbing. It could be if he was operating some type of machinery or was in a car accident and part of the car pierced him. All kinds of different causes for penetrating trauma. Shortness of breath, definitely. He's got severe chest pain with inspiration, pleuritic chest pain. He's tachycardic. He's tachypnic. He's hypotensive. He's hypoxic. He's in really bad shape. This is somebody that has a situation where it needs to be dealt with emergently. 
Otherwise, he's probably going to die. Definitely want to figure this out quickly and get him the proper treatment. On exam, he's in respiratory distress. He's got decreased breath sounds over the right lung. So he's not moving air in and out of the lung as efficiently as he should be. He's got hypertension. He's got diabetes. And then socially, like I said, he's uh, heavy alcohol and tobacco consumption. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break from the case right now to let you know that DaVinci Cases is brought to you by DaVinci Academy, which provides online video courses for the medical basic sciences. These courses are taught using a variety of teaching methods, including bullet point outlines, diagrams, radiology images, and chalk talks to explain the fundamental concepts. We then teach the application of those concepts to numerous clinical pearls that are frequently tested on medical school exams and the USMLE. Our video courses are available on our website, dviacademy.com, as monthly subscriptions starting at $9.99 per month. Each video course has a corresponding outline format textbook as well. You can find the link to our website in the description below. Also be sure to use the discount code DC20 to receive 20% off any of our video courses. Now back to the case. So kind of running through a couple of these answer choices real quickly here, because you always want to scope out the answer choices, at least I like to. See if you can just knock one off real quick. So aortic dissection. So definitely someone could come in with chest pain. You know, he's a heavy smoker, definitely at risk, hypertensive. So these are typically guys who are older. When I say guys, I mean males is, is definitely a risk factor. Definitely, obviously, you can see it in women. But being male, being, you know, in your 60s, especially 65 or older, smoking is definitely a risk factor. Hypertension is definitely a risk factor. The thing is, though, is these people tend to present with tearing chest pain that then radiates to the back. And an aortic dissection is really painful. I mean, these patients are really in, in severe distress, severe pain in their chest. They can feel it tearing into their back. And so that, really, that's not the situation we're seeing here. Now, you could be thinking, well, what if he, the bullet hit the aorta? Certainly a possibility. He is hypotensive. Here's the thing, though, is that that would be more like a aortic rupture. Now, an aortic dissection can certainly progress to that. But if an aortic rupture is someone's going to be hemorrhaging real hard. I mean, they're going to be, you know, that's the main artery coming right off the heart. They're going to be sh just shooting blood out. They're going to be losing blood very quickly. A lot of times people where they get hit in the aorta, especially like the aortic arch, I mean, they die in the field. They die before they even get to the hospital. And if they make it, they don't last long. And so, you know, his blood pressure, although he's hypotensive, it's not in the tank yet. You know, it's not like it's 60 over 40. Obviously, you want to be concerned for that always. And then aortic dissection as well. The other thing with aortic dissection is usually patients are hypertensive when they come in. Certainly can be tachycardic, but they're usually hypertensive because, again, it's very painful. These patients have a lot of distress from that pain. And when you have a lot of distress and pain, your blood pressure actually goes up. And usually these people are hypertensive anyway, so they have pretty high blood pressures. I mean, you can see anything from the 180s, the 200s, and so that's usually what's causing it. Remember, this is a tear in the aorta, tear in the, in the uh, outer vessel wall here, and then you have blood kind of leaking in between the you know, tunica intima and tunica media layers and kind of coursing down. So obviously, you definitely want to be in the differential, but I don't think it's, it doesn't fit as much with this picture here um, as well. Pneumothorax will kind of parse out these two things. Like I said, when someone's coming in short of breath, they're hypoxic, having trouble breathing, they have pleuritic-like chest pain, you always want to be considering pneumothorax. Something that's not on here that pleuritic chest pain is also often associated with is pulmonary embolism, but that's not one of the answer choices here. But definitely, you know, in these clinical situations, you want to be thinking about that. Borhoff syndrome is rupture of the esophagus, which I'll talk about in a second. 
and the pneumoperitoneum. So if you're not sure what that is, you just got to dissect out the word pneumo meaning air, peritoneum meaning, you know, the peritoneum, peritoneal cavity or the abdomen. So in the simplest form, it's air in the abdomen. So pneumothorax is air in the thorax, pneumoperitoneum, air in the abdomen. Certainly you can see this with a penetrating trauma, but it's usually a penetrating trauma to the abdomen, not really the chest. And so you'd see this where you know have air building up. The other more common situation where you see this is where you have a bowel perforation, where there's a break in the bowel wall because you have gas in the, in the bowel and then it leaks into the abdominal cavity. Or you could have, say, a rupture of your appendix. You know, again, it's a rupture in the bowel wall and you have air leaking out. So very briefly to go over Borhoff syndrome here. So this is a cross-section. Now, I'm a radiologist, so I'm used to this being the right side versus the left side. But in this diagram, this is the left side here. This is the right side here. Nevertheless, that's not terribly important here. The esophagus, though, is found right here in the posterior mediastinum, running just anterior to the vertebral column. Now, what's important to know here is you have rupture of the esophagus in Borhoff syndrome. Now, actually, a really common cause of that is endoscopy. So someone has a procedure where they stick a scope down their throat into the esophagus for diagnostic or therapeutic purposes, and they puncture the esophagus and cause a perforation. Now, what happens is, is that a complication of that is you have air kind of leaking into the mediastinum. Remember, pneumothorax, you have air in the pleural space, versus in Borhoff syndrome, you have esophageal rupture, and you have air leaking out of the esophagus into the mediastinal area. And so you can actually see that on imaging, especially on a CT scan. You can see it on an x-ray as well, potentially. And so what happens is you have this air kind of building up in here. On exam, which you classically will see, obviously in real life you don't always see this, but on an exam, what you'll see is, is here crunching. You'll hear this kind of crunching sound, and that's from this air kind of being all through in, in this area. You hear this over the chest. Notice our patient, we don't hear that crunching sound. We see actually see here, here absence of air or absence of breath sounds on the, on the right side. Now, as far as absence of air on the right side, you're not really going to see that in a Borhoff syndrome. The other thing is that these patients typically present with retching and vomiting. And it's actually very common in alcoholics. Now, our patient has a severe or very high consumption of alcohol. So that's certainly a risk factor for him, but he's not presenting with this retching and vomiting and, and, and that type of symptoms. He didn't have an endoscopy recently. He doesn't have this on, on exam. So Borhoff syndrome isn't looking quite at the top of our differential. Certainly, you definitely want to consider it, but it's certainly not at the top of the differential. So let's go to the imaging here to see what this tells us. So this is obviously a chest x-ray. And so if we look at this, you know, this is kind of your cardiac border here. And one thing right away you'll kind of notice is that the heart is actually kind of pushed off to the side here. It's kind of pushed a little bit over than where it normally is. The other thing is this is just normal lung tissue as you can see here, but the lung is actually kind of a little compressed. And that's probably from this mediastinum and this heart being pushed over this way. And what these arrows are kind of trying to draw your attention to is this pleural line. So if we draw a line all along here. Now remember on, a, on an x-ray, denser structures are going to show up more white. So you, this is kind of your lung tissue in between, you know, the air in your lungs. So you kind of see these fine linear opacities. Or, and these are, you know, your lung tissue and other things found in the lung. And so then you have air in here as well. You notice bone shows up very white, very dense. What's not dense? Air. 
gas. And so that's why you see here, you notice you don't see any kind of lung tissue. You don't see any of these kind of like opacities or anything like this over here on the right side. It's all just clear air. And so what you're seeing here, and then notice you start to see some lung tissue here, is that, you know, usually the pleura is kind of up against the thoracic cage here, up against the rib cage. So it's usually this very thin, and the pleural space is very, very thin. It has a very thin layer of fluid in it. But here what you're seeing is a huge expansion of the pleural space, and that's because you have all this air coming into it. So this is actually a classic x-ray for attention pneumothorax. And so what happens in a tension pneumothorax, so let's kind of draw a coronal view here. So these are your ribs kind of coming into and out of uh, the screen. And then what it happens is, is, it, is you have the parietal pleura, which is out here. And then you have the visceral pleura, which is out here. Then you have the, obviously the lung tissue here. And what happens is, is you have a break in this parietal pleura and it actually creates an opening where air can leak in. But then it also creates this kind of valve-like structure. And I've tried to illustrate that here. And so when you breathe in, you breathe in air, but then the problem is, is as you, your thoracic cavity increases, when you're breathing in, you're actually pulling air out from the outside through this puncture wound into the pleural space. So you're filling it with air. The problem is, is when you, so this would be inspiration, and then when you expire, and you blow air out, what happens is, is that this valve kind of closes. And so what happens is, is that you keep the air in. It doesn't come back out. It doesn't, when you breathe out, it doesn't push the air back out, unfortunately. So what happens, it's like kind of like pumping air into a, you know, a sports ball, like a basketball or a football or into a tire. You're pumping air across this valve, and then you're continuously pumping it in and pumping it in, and it's continuously expanding it. The problem is, and then it doesn't leak out at all. And so over time, as you continually breathing, you need to breathe to, to stay alive, obviously. So as this person breathes and breathes and breathes, keeps expanding and expanding, and then you keep filling up this space with air and then pushing these mediastinal co components and the right lung out of the way. So you'll see the heart pushed out of the way. And so what I'll actually kind of outline here, and this is what the red arrow is trying to point to that. So as you can see, you can kind of see the outline of the trachea here. It's very faint, but if you see the trachea looks, you know, usually the trachea is right down here in the midline, come out like this, but it doesn't look like that. It's pushed completely out of the way. It's pushed out this way. And that's because you're pumping all this air in and pushing the mediastinum. The trachea is in the mediastinum. And so you're pushing it out this way. And that's again, a classic finding for tension pneumothorax where you're pushing the trachea away from the side. So if you have a pneumothorax on the right, it's going to be found deviated to the left. If you had a pneumothorax on the left, the trachea is going to be deviated to the right. So just to kind of run through some of these answer choices and how they would appear on imaging. So aortic dissection, for one thing, you're not going to see all this air filled in the pleural space here. But again, if you kind of look closely here, you have what's here is the aortic notch. And it's kind of where you see the, the aortic arch. You can kind of see the, the faint outline of the aorta here as it would come off. Here's your heart right here as it would come off the heart. Now, what you'll see, you don't always see it in real life, but you can see it on exams. They can definitely show it to you, so I suggest you Google it or check it out somewhere, is you'll see kind of a widened mediastinum. And you're just kind of like expanding, pushing things out of the way. And so that's what's commonly seen with aortic dissection. You just don't see that here. 
Now, spontaneous versus tension. Spontaneous, you can definitely see air collecting in the pleural space here. You definitely see that. So a spontaneous pneumothorax, to kind of differentiate that. So if we draw our ribs like this, you have your parietal pleura here, is you have a break in the subpleural blebs. And so these blebs are kind of these pockets of air in the lungs just below the pleural, the pleura, the visceral pleura. So you have a break in the lungs and you have air that leaks out of the lungs into the pleural space. And so what you have is, is you have this shrinking of the lung like this and you have this huge pleural space and then you have, you know, your trachea like this. And it actually what happens is, is that I like to think of it as you're shrinking the lung and deflating the lung and compressing the lung as you pull the trachea to the side of the pneumothorax. So in tension, you push it away because you're continually pushing air into the pleural space and pushing everything out of the way. Here you're deflating the lung and because of this deflating lung and leaking air out, you actually pull the trachea to the same side of the pneumothorax. So if it's on, if it's pneumothorax, spontaneous pneumothorax on the right, you're going to see the trachea deviated to the right. Um, and you just don't see that here. The other thing is the common presentation for these is, you know, patients with either COPD, so they have chronic lung disease, they have damage, and that's what causes these kind of air pockets to break open. The other thing is, you know, patients in the ICU who are on a ventilator, and sometimes the ventilator settings are set too high and they're pumping too much air in, and that can cause a break in these subpleural blebs as well. And so those are kind of more common pictures. This is not seen with penetrating trauma. Again, we kind of went through tension pneumothorax on the last slide. Borhoff syndrome, like I talked about, you're going to see some air in the mediastinum potentially on an x-ray. You will not see air in the pleural space like this. And then pneumoperitoneum, which again is air in the peritoneal cavity, if it's an erect x-ray, meaning the patient is standing up, you actually might see a pocket of air underneath the diaphragm. Because remember, the diaphragm is kind of the border between the, the thoracic cavity and the abdominal cavity. So the air rises and then it's going to hit kind of a roof or ceiling, which is the diaphragm, and it's going to get collected under there. So you actually see the air kind of collect under there in a standing x-ray. Again, with a pneumoperitoneum, you're not going to see buildup of air within the pleural space. It's just because you have this border here with the diaphragm keeping everything within the peritoneum. So if we come back and just kind of run through these answer choices, kind of putting together everything we talked about. Aortic dissection. Again, these patients are typically going to have tearing chest pain rating to the back. They, may, they will have tachycardia like our patient has. Usually they present with hypertension versus hypotension. And then you'll see widening of the mediastinum on chest x-ray. Spontaneous pneumothorax is more common in patients with COPD or mechanical ventilation. They do have this shortness of breath. They do have pleuritic chest pain often. However, on x-ray, they're going to have the trachea deviated toward the pneumothorax. And again, this clinical picture doesn't fit. And then on our patient's chest x-ray, the, the trachea is deviated away from the pneumothorax. Tension pneumothorax, very common in penetrating trauma. Again, shortness of breath, pleuritic chest pain, trachea deviated away from the pneumothorax, like our patient's chest x-ray. Borhoff syndrome, esophageal rupture. These patients usually present with retching and vomiting. Oftentimes, these are patients that recently had an endoscopy. You hear that crunching sound heard on exam over the chest. You see air in the mediastinum on imaging. Again, you just don't see really any of that here. And then pneumoperitoneum can be caused by a penetrating trauma like we talked about, but it's usually caused by bowel perforation, appendix ruptures, something like that. You have a break in this uh, small or large intestine wall. You'll see air under the diaphragm on a standing x-ray. You'll see a double wall sign on an abdominal x-ray, which is actually where you see air. It's essentially a, it's called Wrigler sign. It's where air is kind of leaking into the wall of the bowel. And so it kind of distends the two uh, sides of the wall of the bowel. And so you'll see that kind of clearly on the x-ray. And that's kind of another sign you'll see for a pneumoperitoneum.
So putting this all together, this is a guy who got shot in the chest and developed a tension pneumothorax as a result of that. All right, that's all I have for you this time. Be sure to check out all the DaVinci Cases videos available on our YouTube channel and our website, dviacademy.com. The PDF notes for every DaVinci Cases is also available on our website. Also be sure to check out our podcast, The DaVinci Hour, where we interview attendings and residents across medicine to learn more about their experiences, their specialties, and to get their insights on navigating a career in medicine. You can find The DaVinci Hour podcast on our website or any platform where podcasts are found. Lastly, you can find all of our video courses and corresponding outline format books on our website. Don't forget to use the discount code DC20 for 20% off.